0: Well, we're carrying on uh, in our series of Mark today, uh, The King and His Cross, um, uh, and the passage that we're about to read today, I think when Jesus spoke these words uh, to people at the time, radically changed the way that they lived out their faith. And I think that that's not just the case for the people that Jesus was talking to in the Bible in those days, but I think for us today, as we approach this passage today, I think this passage uh, and these parables that we're about to read have the potential to radically change the way we do our Christian walk, to radically change the way uh, we see our friends and family encounter Jesus, and for us to experience just uh, an incredible shift uh, in the way uh, of thinking about this being a scary thing to talk about our friend, talk about Jesus with our friends and family to it being the most natural and normal part of our lives Um, and I think that that's what Jesus uh, gets at in this passage today so we're just going to get straight into it we're going to read this passage together it's Mark chapter 4, it's verses 21 to 34 Um, and I've called this talk uh, Living Lit Up Lives uh, living uh, lives that are so lit up uh, with the grace and love of God at work within us that we can't help but draw other people in I was going to say like moths to a flame but it's a slightly happier ending uh, than that (laughs) So Mark chapter 4, verse 21 to 34, uh, and we'll start there. Um, Yeah, does anyone need a Bible? We have Bibles available this morning. Uh, If anyone needs one, put your hand up just now. If you don't have a Bible at home, please take one as our gift to you today. If you don't want to put your hand up uh, just now, totally just sneak up and take one at the end. You're more than welcome to do that. However, if we see them on eBay later on this week, there will be be crosswords. Uh, So it's Mark chapter 4, verse 21 to 34. This is Jesus. He said to them, Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. He also said this, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Again he said what shall we say the kingdom of God is like or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed which is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when planted it grows to become the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables Jesus spoke to them, spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable but when he was alone with his own disciples he explained everything. I really love these three parables because they give us a really clear insight into what it is meant to be to live with Jesus, not just for us on the inside, but what are our external lives meant to look like when we are living with Jesus? What is it supposed to look like to our neighbors and our friends and our family and our work colleagues and the people that we encounter on a day-to-day basis? These parables are all about the responsibility, the effect, and the timing of sharing God's love with the world around us. And they're amazing. In these parables today is is the key, I believe, to unlocking um, a life that is lit up for Jesus in a way that people cannot help but be drawn into his presence um, through being around us. Often, though... um, as Christians, we can become quite used to knowing that the truth that Jesus is our saviour. It can kind of lose its edge sometimes, can't it? We, we know it, we believe it for ourselves, but we forget the importance of the world. Knowing that Jesus has come to set each and every person free and to have an eternal life with them. It can become normal, can't it? become a normal part of our day. But the truth is that in these passages, Jesus is saying, I am this light. I'm not supposed to be tucked under your bed. I'm not supposed to be hidden in your sock drawer. I'm not supposed to be talked about in a hushed voice between Sunday services. I'm not supposed to be um, pretending that I've not been there on a Sunday morning meeting with him when I chat with people on a Monday morning. I'm supposed to be a light that shines brightly into the lives of those around us. Jesus is the light. We've just come off the back of the Christmas season though. And so many people in our world know the baby Jesus. The baby Jesus who was born in a stable and lived in a manger. But for a lot of our friends and family and colleagues, that's where the story with Jesus ends. He's a baby who lived in a manger many years ago. They don't know the man that he became, the mission that he had. Um, Does anyone here enjoy building flat pack furniture? Does anyone find enjoyment in building it? Yes. (laughs) You guys are weird and crazy. <laughs> um, there's two types of people. I think there's two types of people. I think we can split this room exactly 50-50. There's two ways to approach flat pack furniture. The first way um, is to lay everything out before you start. You put all the screws in a bundle, all the nuts in a bundle, the bolts. Make sure the Allen key's there, all the bits of wood are there. And then you tick them off in a checklist to make sure that everything's there before you begin the project. Hands up if you're that person. Excellent. Now, the second way is my way of doing it, where you just think, I'm just going to crack on and hope for the best here. (laughs) Instructions are basically optional. (laughs) And so we crack on. How many people would approach it in that way? (laughs) Basically 50-50. when we moved into our new home, we bought a bunch of stuff from Ikea uh, and we, for our for our back bedroom. Uh, we'd been given a whole load of furniture. People were incredibly kind, but we didn't have anything for our back bedroom. So we bought a whole bunch of stuff from Ikea, and one of the things was a sofa bed, and it was huge, and it came in four separate boxes. Um, so I sent Sarah and Evelyn out for the day, and I'd blocked off a day in my diary. as furniture building day. Uh, and so I went at it. I started building this sofa bed, and it came in four different bits that all kind of locked and clicked together. So I built all the bits. I got there. I got it in to two big bits, I kind of bit at the side that's like a corner bit and then another bit that goes along here uh, and then just as I was about to connect them together, I realised that the bolts for connecting the two big bits together had not been included in the pack they were nowhere to be seen and I was absolutely livid. I was so, so frustrated. I was looking under things. I was looking all around. Eventually, I had to phone Ikea. And I was like, I don't have boats. And they were like, well, we'll send somebody to deliver them. Three days later, a DPD delivery man literally turned up at my house with a bag with two <laughs> bolts in it to give me the bolts for these things. I was so annoyed. I, I just wanted to, you know that way when you're thinking about it, you're like, I'm just going to tell them to come and pick it up. I don't want it anymore. I'm going to take another corner so from another company. I'm so annoyed about this. I think um, the point is this, though. If you're not given everything you need to do the job, you can't finish it. If you're not given everything you need to do the job, you cannot finish it. And you get frustrated and you get annoyed and you just think, I'm going I'm to pack this whole thing in. I think that the world's view in Christianity is a little bit like that. Loads of people are walking around, people we interact with day by day who don't have the full picture of who Jesus is. It's like a jigsaw puzzle with missing pieces. You're never going to be able to fully commit to something if you can't see what the full picture is. If they haven't had a chance to meet the man that the baby became, they haven't encountered the only one who can save their lives. And there are lots of little pieces that make that picture up, aren't there? There are loads of little pieces of the Christian faith that as a whole make the whole picture, the whole thing that we wholeheartedly believe and that we've given our lives to. God created us to be with him. Our sin separated us from him. Forgiveness cannot be earned by doing good things. We couldn't do it on our own. And so Jesus had to come. He had to come to be the sacrifice to set us free. He rose again conquered death once and for all made a way for us to have an eternal life with the father and life to the full which doesn't have to start when we die in eternity but eternity starts right now that's the full picture isn't it that's a quick flyover but that's the full picture and if people don't know that if people only know the Jesus who lives in a manger in a stable who comes out once a year that's not the full picture that's not a place to make an informed decision from in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says this. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. In the dark landscape of our world, Jesus is the light. In uh, fake news and in uh, corrupt politics, and in violence, and in whispers of war, and in poverty, and in prostitution, and in slave labor, and in human trafficking, Jesus is the only light. He is the only one who can radically transform those situations. It's like a firework when it lights up the night sky. Everything suddenly becomes illuminated. Nothing is dark anymore. And that's the light that we carry. That's why Jesus is saying, do not hide it under a lamp. Do not hide it under a bowl. Don't hide it under your bed. We carry hope and grace and peace and love into this world in a way that can make a difference, not just in situations, but that can transform lives who can then go on to make radical differences in the craziest situations. Jesus is the light. The interesting thing though is this, that we are the ones that carry the light. Jesus doesn't say in the Bible, I'm going to raise up five really gifted evangelists for the world, and they'll go around and do stadium tours, and through them, everyone will come to know about me. Equally, he doesn't say, I'm going to make an amazing TV show or a YouTube video, and once I've done that, everyone will have it, and everyone in the world will know about me. So you guys just kick back, put your feet up, do whatever you need to do until eternity comes. I've got this. The responsibility is on us. We are the carriers of hope, grace, peace, and love into this world. We carry his Holy Spirit and his light into every situation that we go into. Every situation. He said to them, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? The hope is not just for us. The hope of the gospel is not just for us sitting in this room. It's not just for uh, the people in our region who go to church already. It's for the entire Aberdeen and the Shire. They need to know this hope. It's desperate. People are living uh, lives so far away from Jesus that are so broken, and only Jesus can bring healing. It's a hope that's for the world. We have a little girl, um, she's called Evelyn. Some of you might have met her. Um, When I was young, free, and single, I used to watch families uh, with. With children and I used to think they were mental because they would praise their children for anything, like they would be eating dinner and you know they'd be saying oh you're doing such good eating um, as they wipe 90% of the food off of their children's faces or you know they would congratulate them oh you, you nearly got to the potty that time next time you did such a good job of almost getting there or they'd draw what is like irrecognizable as a picture and they would say this is a beautiful picture, uh, what is it what is it of? You know I used to think this is crazy and then I had a, a child of my own and I am that guy now I am the guy Evelyn starts singing and I'm like oh she's going to be famous one day oh what an angelic voice So she draws pictures and I'm like we need to send this away to some art gallery this is this is unbelievably good I'm not as bad as my mum and dad however though because as grandparents go they may well be the proudest grandparents in the world. Evelyn did a little doodle, I'm, I'm not kidding you on about three scribbles worth of pen on a sheet of paper when they were up uh, one time uh, and I saw my mum ripping the bit of paper off the, the big roll and putting it in her handbag and I was like I wonder what she's doing with that. We went down recently and they've professionally framed this thing. Not just like not just like bought a frame from Tesco but sent it to an actual framers to have it framed and and it it's such centerpiece in their living room now. So anyone who comes in gets the story. This is my granddaughter. She drew this when we were with her. It's the most incredible piece of art. It's so amazing. They, they just love it. I think when Jesus is talking about putting our lamps on a stand, he's talking a bit about like having that picture on your wall. Anyone who comes into my mom and dad's living room gets the story. It's center. You cannot miss it. Everyone asks questions about it. Everyone wants to know what's behind that. Why have you had this squiggle framed? I think the gospel in our lives is to be on display like my mum and dad have displayed Evelyn's artwork in a way that, uh, that, that just needs questioning, that, that invites uh, exploration, that sits so proudly and so obviously in our lives that people cannot help but notice it and ask questions about it. I think that's what it's to look like. Our lives um, become a bit like a living room where anyone can stop by to be rested, refreshed and explore what a faith with Jesus looks like. Imagine for us as a church if we were the kind of people whose living room was open so our neighbours could come by any time for a coffee and just chat about why are you a Christian? Why are you doing that? Why do you take a bag of food to church every Sunday morning? Why are there so many people in your house? You know, I long to be the kind of people who stand uh, against injustice in a way that invites questions. Why are you doing that? Why are you putting yourself in danger so that other people uh, can be set free? Why would you do that? You know, What would it look like for us to be the kind of people uh, who encourage people so effectively in our workplaces that people cannot understand what it's all about and have to ask questions? We put the light on display for all to see. Um, In the kind of mirrored telling of this story in the book of Matthew, it says this, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Isn't it absolutely incredible that God gives us the privilege of being carriers of His light? I feel like alive when I know that truth, that we are carrying God's light into the the darkest and most horrible situations. But equally, we're carrying that light to our neighbours who've never had a chance to meet them, and our friends uh, who've never made their way into church. We're to be like lighthouses. Um, that light up the world around about us and guide them in to the safety and security that only our Heavenly Father can bring. Um, The theologian uh, D.L. Moody puts it like this, we are told to let our light shine, and if it does, we won't need to tell anybody it does. Lighthouses don't fire cannons to call attention to their shining. They just shine. They just shine. So we're called to, to live lit up lives, lives that shine, But if we're being honest, for most of us in this room, if you're anything like me, the majority of the time I don't feel like I'm living a lit up life. And so I wanted to just touch on this morning. What are some of the things that hold us back from living lit up lives? And what are some of the remedies for those things? And I think one of the first things um, that jumps out for all of us when we start to think about how we impact those around us is that feeling of, I'm too busy. Life is busy. I'm so busy. I just don't know where to fit it in. I don't know where to fit in time to do all the things that I need to do. As I was preparing for this talk, uh, I was looking at a few studies that have been done online around uh, busyness. Um, And so the World Health Organization carried out a a global survey of working hours. And actually today we work less hours than we did 20 or 30 years ago in a week. We're working the least hours um, of the last 40 or 50 years, I think it was. We work on average about between 32 and 37 hours a week, whereas in the past that would have been 45 to 50 hours a week on average. Now, you might be sitting there just now thinking, I work 55 hours every week. How dare you tell me that? <laughs> I'm not talking to you. <laughs> I'm talking to the average person. Interestingly as well, though, Ofcom did a study recently that says the average Britain now spends more time on media devices than they do working or sleeping in any given day. Eight hours and 31 minutes on average we spend on a media device every single day. I think we probably don't. We probably aren't much more busy than we would have been in the past. I think we're so connected to the world now that it's really hard to switch off. It's really hard to have any moments where it feels like we're resting and alone. We're constantly accessible, constantly contactable. Our work carries us home and po- carries home with us in our pockets. The emails are there, ready to be checked. Our phones can be rung at any given moment. But in Luke chapter five, we see Jesus doing life slightly differently. As the news about him spread across the region he was in, and crowds of people came out to hear about him, it says this Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. We aren't designed to be constantly busy. We aren't designed to feel like we're running on empty and on edge at all times. We're actually created to be in a pattern that's a bit like waves with the Lord. We go out, and then we come back into his presence. We go out, and then we come back into his presence. It's like a constancy of being out and being in, being out and being in. That's what Jesus did the whole way through the Gospels. You see him out, speaking to people, healing people, preaching the word. And then he comes back in and spends alone time with the Father. In that same Ofcom study, um, it also said that on average we watch four hours of TV per day too. Now, I know that everyone in this room is keeping that average down. We're the people who are keeping the four hours average underneath four hours. But on average, we're watching four hours of TV a day. And for me, I really notice the difference uh, in what real rest looks like. When I'm resting in front of the TV, when I'm just vegging out watching TV, it's okay. But when I rest with the Lord, I feel refreshed, replenished re-energized when he speaks to me it gives me something it gives me purpose and vision for going out again to what he's calling me out to do i think we're called to rest much more intentionally than we sometimes do i love him um, watching david's life in the psalms through the psalms we get this picture of david's life but he has that pattern of going in and out in and out with the lord and from that he gains this really confident assurance that the lord will deliver Time and time again because he knows God. He's built a friendship with the Lord. He knows the heart of God. And God knows his heart. He has this pattern of going in and going out. I think developing a healthy pattern of being in the world. And then withdrawing to be topped up by the Father. And to rest in his Holy Spirit is absolutely essential. To remedying the feeling of being too busy. I think the second thing that we sometimes feel as well is that. It's a bit scary isn't it? We feel scared about putting our light on the stand. Putting our light on the stand means that people see it and you can't really backtrack from that. Once your light's up there, people know it and you can't backtrack from it. I wonder how many of us in the room have felt like God telling us to go to someone or speak to someone or say something or do something and at the same time have had that almost instant, I can't do that. That puts, me, that puts me in a really difficult position. I probably can't do that in work. I'm probably not allowed to do that in work or I probably can't say that because then that person will think, oh, they're a Christian. They might think I'm narrow-minded. They might think I'm, they might think I'm a, a weirdo. They might think all this stuff. It's like two dialogues that go on in our head and sometimes uh, the one of fear wins out. If you're anything like me, the one of fear wins out more often uh, than the one of boldness and courage. Uh, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 3, it says this. The evangelism chat just a little bit mixed up. I think we start to think like we all have to be experts in sharing the gospel. We all have to be experts in uh, debating creationism against evolution. We all have to be experts in in every verse of the Bible so that we can quote scripture at anyone for any given moment. I don't think that's what God was was looking for from us. I think he's looking for us to live authentic, Holy Spirit-filled lives that bear fruit in all different kinds of places, um, I have two very different experiences of being an authentic Christian. Uh, when I first went to university, uh, I'd I'd only just become a Christian, um, and so uh, I hadn't quite nailed Christianity yet. And so I thought, what I'll do is, as I get to know these people, I'll keep it, I'll keep it under under wraps that I'm a Christian because you know it's, it's a new environment. I don't want people to think I'm weird. I want to actually make friends here. I don't want to be the like outcast of my year. So I'll just keep it under wraps that I'm a Christian. And uh, I'll, I'll kind of let it eke out slowly but surely as I go along. And what actually happened was I spent three years at university where n- nobody would ever have known that I was a Christian. And it just put me in more and more awkward situations. You know, I did a, I did a degree in sport and physical activity. And so often the, the changing room chat with the lads was uh, was uh, inappropriate uh, and difficult to be a part of. But because I hadn't nailed my, my flag to the master early on, I found myself in this weird half-and-half position where I was like, I don't really agree with what you're saying, but I don't really have a fit to stand up, so I'm just going like, to nod and smile along as if this might be okay, but it might not be okay. You know, when people used to go out drinking, I'd be like, oh, I don't really want to get too drunk, but I'll maybe drink a little bit. And I just found myself in every situation being caught in this weird, torn place of being a Christian, but not being a Christian. And it was just really difficult and rubbish. And I, I honestly think I had zero impact for the kingdom when I was at university amongst my uni mates. It would be an absolute miracle if they'd noticed anything about Christianity through the way I lived in. However, when I graduated and I got my first job, I was absolutely determined not to make the same mistake again. So from day one in my first job after I graduated, I was like, I'm just going to tell people I'm Christian. I'm just going to do it. And from the start, I'll just be that guy. If they don't talk to me and I'm the only person in on the team, at least I won't have that horrible, like, Oh, feeling of not knowing where I am and so I did and I started doing it and honestly the things that I feared the most turned out to be the things that, that were the most incredible moments I had with Jesus I feared people uh, thinking uh, I would be narrow-minded or weird. And actually what happened was a bunch of people from all different uh, backgrounds and cultures uh, and sexualities would come to me for chat about, you know, what does the Bible say about that? And it wasn't, it wasn't arguments, but it was like living life in a way where you could open a discussion about that in any moment. And it was wonderful. But people also used to come and they were having the worst times they would come and say, Scott, I'm just having a terrible time. they just long for conversation because there was something different. And then this really weird thing started happening where uh, at team meetings, people would start apologizing for swearing in front of me. It was the strangest thing. People would say, I'm so sorry, Scott, I shouldn't have said that. It was really weird. But people knew. And that open conversation, I had more and more conversations with people about who Jesus was and what difference he'd made in my life. Just because I said, do you know what? I'm just going to put it out there. Yeah. And I think that's the remedy to fear. The remedy to fear is just to put it out there and watch what God does with a little tiny bit of boldness that it takes to just let people know that you love Jesus. Watch what he does with it. And then the final thing, um, well it's not the final thing, but one of the three definitive things that, that stop us from living lit up lives. I think for some of us, we just don't know people who aren't Christians. All of our pals are in church Uh, all of the people that we hang out with are from church. Whenever we have people round for dinner, it's people we know in church. And I think we're actually called to be in the world, right in amongst it. In Matthew 28, Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. He doesn't say, just hang about with your pals from church and hope something will happen with your neighbors. He says, you go and make disciples of all nations. And so I think the remedy to that is... Just get involved in something. You know, what are you passionate about? Do you love football? Join a football club. Do you love knitting? Join a knitting club. Is it a knitting club? Would you call it a knitting club? Is there an official name for it? An, a knitting spindle? I don't know what you would call it. Just get yourself involved somewhere. Join Zumba. Join, join something where you're hanging out with a bunch of people who don't know Jesus authentically live your life and watch what God does as people start to magnetate towards Jesus because it's not actually about us. That's the the secret about it. The parable uh, of of the the growing seed tells us that we're only responsible for putting the seed out there. Then by night and by day, God does the rest. He's working in people's hearts. He's changing uh, and churning up the ground. He's bringing up all the stuff from their past that needs to be dealt with. He's transforming their lives. He's changing their thought processes. He does all that We just bring the light into the situation and people come towards Jesus. Isn't that amazing? So what what does that actually look like for us in leaving this place? What does it actually look like for us as we leave this place today? I think it looks like living authentic lives where Jesus is on display. And that can happen in any moment. It doesn't have to be rehearsed. It doesn't have to be staged. It happens when you put your bins out and you say to your neighbour, how is this week going for you? Start some conversations. When you know your colleague in work is having a really tough time, don't pretend it's not happening. Get alongside them. Say, yo, how's your week been? How can I help you? Is there something I can do to help make this a bit better for you? And as we bring ourselves into that place and we're living lit up lives with Jesus, people cannot help but be drawn in to relationship with Jesus. We don't have to do the transformation. God takes care of that. We don't have to change people's hearts. We don't need to be Jesus for people. We actively don't want to be Jesus for people. We want to bring people in and point their eyes towards the most incredible man who's ever lived. Not the baby in the manger but the man with a mission to save the world. Why don't we stand?